This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Many voices, one journey. SoundsTrue.com. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, I speak with Danny Dreyer. Danny is a marathon runner, an esteemed running coach, and a student of Tai Chi master George Shu. He's the author of two books, Chi Running and Chi Walking, as well as the Sounds True audio programs of the same name. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Danny and I spoke about finding stillness in the midst of action and the importance of incorporating chi in all aspects of our lives, what Danny calls creating the conditions for energy to flow. Danny also offers a practice intended to help us move and live from our center. Here's my conversation with Danny Dreyer. Danny, you've brought together the principles of Tai Chi with the exercise forms of both running and walking. And I'm curious, which came first for you? Were you an athlete that then became interested in Tai Chi or a Tai Chi practitioner that wanted to apply this to running and walking? And how did these two forms come together for you? Well, it was a, it's kind of an interesting story. I was actually a runner long before I started taking Tai Chi. I'd probably, when I took my first Tai Chi class, I was, I'd been running for 25 years. I hadn't been a competitive athlete until the very, just before I started doing Tai Chi. I'd been running for years just for my own peace of mind and exercise and everything. And then about 12 years ago, I took my first Tai Chi class from a guy in Boulder, actually. That's where I was living. And uh, he was from China. And I had been working on my technique because I had been starting to get into ultra marathoning later in my running life. And uh, and that's, you know, most of the race distances I was thinking of doing were uh, longer than a marathon. So that's why they call it uh, ultra marathoning. And, uh, and so I'd been really playing. I've always been fascinated by just whatever sport I'm doing. So I was really trying to break it down into being more and more efficient because if I'm there's some of my races were up to 100 miles long. And so wow. if you're going to be out there for 24 hours solid, you know, you need to be really efficient because you don't want to be, you know, carried off the course in a body bag or something like that. You know, it can really take it out of your body. And so I'd been working on my running technique as far as getting it efficient. But then I went to this Tai Chi class. And I remember the first night I went there, the uh, instructor was talking about using your postural alignment as a basis to support your body. And then if you really align your posture well, you can get it to rotate around a central axis. And if that central axis isn't straight, then uh, it's going to cost you more energy to do whatever it is you're doing. And so um, I'd been playing with this whole thing with my running of learning how to run by leaning forward and kind of falling forward like we all did as kids. 
And uh, it was making my running really efficient because the more I would lean forward, the more gravity would pull me and the less I had to use my legs. Well, when I added in this component of posture and center line and rotating around this central axis, I went out running the next day and completely rocked my boat. I came back from my run. I did about a five-mile run. I came back and it felt like I hadn't run. And that's when my light bulb went off and I said, you know what, there's really something to combining these two things. I I didn't really know that much about Tai Chi, but I knew it was like the mother of martial arts. And so if that was the foundation upon which a lot of really powerful movement comes from, then uh, it was a natural fit, you know, with running, especially endurance running. Okay, let's just take this a little slow. Sure. An ultra marathon, you're running 100 miles? Yeah. <laughs> all at one time? I did it twice. <laughs> all, all at one all time? At one, yes, all at one time. And, uh, you know, you you stop at aid stations and stuff like that. But really, it's, the whole idea is to run, you know, run 100 miles as fast as you can. Or to complete it, for some people, it's just to finish. Yeah, it's um, it's a long way. I mean, in, you know, I, I was looking at um, somebody that I know who I met recently who just finished a race that was 3,100 miles long, and he ran 67 miles a day for 48 days. I mean, there are people out there that are really, you know, on the lunatic fringe side of running. 100 miles is really far to go, and it's a small population of the running field that goes for these ultra marathons. but it's a really growing field, actually. And uh, more and more people every year are getting into these ultra-long distances as a kind of a, it's it's not like a sports event. It's really a, a mindset, you know, it's a, it's a real different way to run, because you just take your time, it's not about speed, it's, not, you know, it's about uh, mind-body connection, really. And the two ultra marathons that you ran, how long did they take you? Well, the first one I ran was the Leadville 100, so it was up in Leadville, and the whole 100 miles was over 10,000 feet. It took me uh, 22 hours and some change to run that. And uh, the second one I ran was uh, called the Western States 100. That took me just under 24 hours. Okay, so I kind of get the picture of that. What I didn't fully follow was how the Tai Chi principle of this central axis uh-huh. translated into you moving forward in a different way. I mean, as you were talking, I kind of had this image of you leaning forward as you ran, but I couldn't quite follow how the central axis changed that. I'll explain that a little more clearly. I In Tai Chi, your Dantian, your center, which is just below your navel, is the center is your moving center. It's the center from which a lot of your power and movement comes from that helps the rest of your body to move. If you look at how the body is set up, all the large muscles, the core muscles of the body, are in the central part of the body. And as you get towards further and further away from the center of the body, the body parts get smaller and smaller. So how Tai Chi is set up as a martial art, as a very powerful martial art, is that all of the movement, all of the punches or kicks or anything that that you do in a martial art, if you have it orig- have the power and movement originating from your center, then all of the parts sequentially on down the line towards you get further and further away from the center become completely at the whim of your center. They are all driven by your center. They're not having to do a lot of the work themselves. 
the beautiful part of this is is that um, it's kind of like if you've seen in the old westerns where a guy's cracking a bullwhip, right? Okay, he's holding onto the handle of the whip, and that's the thickest part of the whip. And, and if you just even move that a little bit, the whole tail end of the whip goes crazy. Okay, so it works the same way in your body. If you're if you're really cognizant of moving your center and relaxing everything else on down the line, then your power really does get to move more efficiently because it's moving from your from the more powerful part of your body and the rest the smaller parts of your body are just being directed by that center and that's kind of the basis of how tai chi is set up in that you always have um the the chinese has this wonderful image uh and they they call it needle in cotton Okay, here's how the body, if you want to look at your body and how it's, it's really set up to move, think of the image of a needle sticking vertically down through a ball of cotton. Okay, well, the needle is really your central axis, and it's the yin part of your whole body, if you think of it in moving terms. The yang is all of the moving parts. So the yin is your postural line. It's your central axis. But you want to have that nice and straight, nice and strong, very gathered, very yin. And all of the moving parts, all of everything external to that, which is your arms and legs and hips and shoulders, you want to have as relaxed as possible so that when this central axis moves, it easily moves all the other parts. And so there's always a balance of yin and yang in your running, in your tai chi, in your movement, in, you know, in your life in general. And so it's always working from a center, but directing the movement of a very relaxed exterior. I would say that a good Tai Chi practitioner really has a very effortless way of moving because they are really, there's different levels of Tai Chi, obviously. And then, you know, at some point you can get to the point where your body is set up to work correctly. It, It just the whole mechanism is is trained to work correctly. And then you can start directing your movement and the chi moving through your body strictly from your mind. And so the grandmasters from China that I've seen and met really are doing all their movement just on a total mind level that's just totally directing this instrument of the body. And so there's this whole progression moving from getting your instrument lined up and moving correctly until you eventually get to the point where your instrument will move so well for you at your command that your mind is really doing all the work, if you can call it work. So I can imagine starting to feel this central axis in the body, this yin kind of central channel. But then when I'm running, what am I doing with my mind? Is my mind you know, down in my tantian, or how do I direct the movement with my mind? Well, the way we have it set up in chi running and chi walking is that there are lots of various focuses that your mind can pay attention to. Now, the groundwork of all of this stuff is, and it should be in every practice, is to pay attention to your body, to learn to listen to your body and learn to direct your body. Like, you know, true mind-body work is all about creating a great communication link between the two, between your mind and your body. It's not just a one-way communication always when your mind is directing your body, but your mind also has to listen carefully to what your body is sensing, to if there's any places that feel tense or tight or not moving correctly. So what my mind is doing when I'm running is 
watching all the various body parts, feeling each of the body parts. If, for instance, if I'm running along the road and I'm, I, I want to be watching my foot strike, for instance. I want to focus on landing in it with a nice midfoot strike. I don't want to land with my heel out in front of me because when I do, I can feel in my body that I'm impacting the road much greater. Okay, and so I'll give you an example. If I'm running down the road and I feel myself hitting really hard on the ground, my mind will make the observation. It'll feel it, and it'll say, now, how can I change that to where it's less impact? And so then your mind goes through this list of various adjustments that you can make. We call them just focuses. And so so my mind might give the response, okay, well, we should just lean forward just a little more and not let the leg swing out in front of the body, but really let it swing more out the back. So the mind takes that on as a mantra, just watching where the foot hits, watching where the foot hits. And pretty soon, if you watch it long enough and direct it to hit in a different place or in a different way, the impact will go away, and you've kind of fixed that problem. Okay. Another example might be if you're running down the road and you feel tension in your shoulders, which a lot of people do. Your mind would feel it, body sense the tension in your shoulders, then it would say, okay, what could we do about this? So in a lot of ways, then the mind can direct the shoulder to just drop it, just relax, swing naturally, don't, you know, no force. So there's this constant back and forth. The mind knows from how we've broken down into all these different focuses that help the body to run more efficiently. And then the mind just pays attention to how the body's doing with each of those kind of focuses. It's it's very similar to like learning to play a musical instrument, you know. When you start playing a musical instrument, you have to, you know, watch, learn how to read notes, how to read music. And then you just learn how to play the note that you're reading on the paper with the instrument you're playing, right? So there's this whole learning curve of matching up a certain note with a certain thing that you do to make a sound come out of your instrument. Same thing happens with your body. There's a certain way of moving all the different body parts. They're designed to move in a certain way. And so our job is to help people learn to move their body in the way that it was designed, not in the way they've habitually ended up, you know. But, you know, it's like Carolyn Mace says, you know, your biography becomes your biology. So if you've been sitting at a desk for 20 years or if you, you know, stand all stooped over or if you, you know, don't have any core strength, that's going to affect how your body moves. And so you have to be, as you get older, you have to learn to counteract your biology, how it's been set up over the last 20 years. So there are focuses to get you back into that original nice, clean movement, nice postural, uh, structural stance, and everything. So all of these little focuses add up to kind of learning the language of your body and how it works. And so that when you're out running, you just are practicing this language over and over. Which parts are working right? Which parts aren't working right? What can I adjust? What do I not need to adjust? And it's a, a great kind of fun way to learn all about, not only about your body, but obviously all the things can be transferred into life in general because they're, you know, they're all based in really sound principles of movement. Okay, well, I'm just going to circle back to this question one more time because uh, I understand what you're saying about paying attention to the different body parts, my shoulders, my feet, and I get that, but I'm still not sure how in my running or my walking is this yin central channel. How do I use my mind 
to get the power of the walk or the run from that? I start everybody. You know, when you start off walking or start off running, the very first focus that you do is your posture. So everything starts from that. So that's how you feel yourself inside of yourself is by working through your posture. And a part of that posture is intentionally engaging your core. Okay, so you direct your attention to your core. Uh-huh. And you keep that attention there while you allow yourself to move into your running or into your walking so that you feel this alignment going on is kind of like background to everything else that you're doing. Uh-huh. So whenever you're moving, you're always coming back to every time your foot comes down on the ground and you're supporting your body weight on one leg, that's when you feel this nice structural alignment during the support phase of your running or walking. When your foot comes down onto the ground, then you're supporting your body. So that's the time to like really sense this whole support of the yin line through your body. When you're moving is when you need to feel the whole yang side because everything once you're in the air, once you're airborne and running, then everything should be completely relaxed. There's no reason to have anything, any tension held in your body when you're in the non-support phase of your stride. Okay, and just another question about what you do with your mind. Mm-hmm. What about when you start thinking about your to-do list and dreaming oh, about yeah. the vacation you want to go on? In chi running or chi walking, what's the instruction at that point? It's no different than sitting meditation. You're using a mantra, you're gazing at a candle, whatever your focus is. Every time your mind gets distracted, your job is to bring back the focus, right? And it's just it's this training your mind to be quiet or to be focused on one thing, which settles the rest of those thoughts. And so it's no difference, no different than like a meditation practice. If you're focused, what I tell people is just focus on one or two things about your running. So if your mind starts to wander, you get into this grocery list of everything you need to do for the day. If you can catch yourself wandering, then you just bring your mind back. Oh, here I am. I'm just watching my foot strike. Here I am. I'm just letting my knees bend. The interesting thing about our whole approach to running is that my goal is to really help people convert running from a sport to a practice so that they approach their running or their walking more like an internal mind-body practice than a sport or even a fitness regimen. Because if you can do it like a practice, you become much more mindful in every phase of what you're doing, what you get out of it, what you put into it, what you're doing during during the exercise. Mm-hmm. That's a very intriguing idea, not so much like a fitness routine but a practice. What do you think makes running or walking a practice. You know, if you're approaching it this way, then it's a practice. Yeah. What makes it a practice is that every time you go out to do it, well, think of whatever you do as a practice, you know, whether you do meditation or Pilates or, you know, Tai Chi, anything you do as a practice, why do you do it? You do it so that every time you approach it, you're either improving yourself because of it or improving your way of going about doing it. You're trying to master something, either in either something internally, master, you know, your ability to let go of your mind. You're trying to always master something, either a skill. And so when you're talking about turning running to a practice, 
You can take it as a physical practice. You can take it as an internal practice or a meditative practice. And you can take it further to an to a spiritual practice to where you're really working at eventually getting beyond the spiritual. And you're um, you're always working at something. Whenever I go out for a run, I went out this morning for a run, and I was, for me, I was working on directing my focus, my I Chi is what they call it in Tai Chi. It's the ability of your mind to direct your movement forward. And so my practice today, every time I found myself undirected, so to speak, my mind wandering, I would bring my attention to some object up ahead of me. And I would just focus my eyes on that and really feel my body being pulled towards that object simply through the focus of my eyes on that object. And it works. It, it totally you know, makes makes a whole body relax, makes me run easier, going up hills, doesn't matter what. And so that was like my mantra all day. Every time I found myself wandering, I just lock into something up ahead of me. And so and by the end of the run, I felt better and better as I ran along. My mind felt calmer and calmer, my breathing relaxed. And when I finished the run today, I felt rejuvenated and full of energy instead of wiped out from having, you know, worked too hard to use my muscles or been thinking about other stuff and my body's doing one thing and my mind's doing another, you know, it's a real different post-run feeling. And uh and it's it's amazing how 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 it feels in my body. And I just ran a half marathon this morning just for practice. I'm I'm training for a marathon, so I wanted to make sure I could run the distance. <laughs> so I went out to this morning and and just challenged myself to run a half marathon. And it was like um, you know, I came back, and if my wife hadn't have known that I ran a half, she would have thought that I just went out to get the paper off the front lawn. It's a really different approach. To You're it. an animal, Danny. An animal. <laughs> and it's not because I'm hugely physically fit. It's just that I've gotten to the point where I can get my body to do what I want it to do, and I can learn how to relax and use the least amount of effort to get that done. See, that's the end game. Now, if you were approaching your run or walk as a quote-unquote spiritual practice, mm-hmm. what, what would be your focus? My focus would be really more on the invisible aspect of the run. So whenever you talk spiritual, you're talking about, well, what's the unseen part of this? Okay, so when I'm running, for instance, I love running trails. And so if I would go out on a long trail run, if I was doing it as spiritual practice, I would, first of all, always be really connecting with my breath. Because that's one way for me to really connect with the invisible. It's just to feel the air that I'm running through, feel it moving in and out of my body. And then the other thing that I do is I really pay a lot more attention to impressions. And what I mean by that is just the the field of vision that I'm running through, not just looking at what I'm doing, but feeling the energy of the the field that I'm running through. So if I'm running through the forest, and I live in North Carolina, and we, it's kind of a rainforest. You know, it's really green and deep forest. And I just feel the oldness of the Appalachian Mountains, and I feel the seasons change, and I feel this whole invisible world kind of, you know, underneath what I'm looking at. And I'm moving through space and eventually get to a point where I'm really blending with my environment because there's not a whole lot of difference between my body and what I'm looking at (laughs) because it's all underneath all of it is this whole kind of invisible 
realm that kind of flows in and out of everything. And so as a spiritual practice, I'm always trying to set up the conditions to feel that connectedness of everything that I'm running through. And if I do that, I get energy. I can feel the chi of the area that I'm in. I can feel it moving in my body. I can feel it when I touch the ground, when I move the air. I feel the air as I go through it. I, you know, colors of different colors of green have a certain energetic effect on me. And, you know, it goes to this whole subtler, subtler way of approaching running. And what I come away with is just such a deeper sense of connectedness to everything that it's way beyond just going out for a workout. You know, when people think of running, they think, you know, wow, I'm going to come back sweating. I'm going to, you know, (laughs) here's what I'm going to do. My muscles might be sore. You know, I've I've got this little niggle in my knee I've got to deal with. It's, It's not like that at all. It's a real, it's kind of like putting on a different pair of glasses and really seeing the world in a other way than through a runner's eyes. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned tuning into your breath in a certain kind of way. Can you explain more about that while you're running? Mm-hmm. When I tune into my breath, I really do, when I'm running, I do a lot of belly breathing. I do a lot of Ayurvedic yoga breathing. Okay, So I'm really breathing deeply into my belly. Physiologically, that helps because all the little alveoli that converts air oxygen into blood oxygen are down in the deeper part of my lungs. And so if I'm breathing shallow, my muscles aren't going to get fueled well. So I breathe deeply, and I can really feel the breath going deep in. And when I breathe in, I'm not just breathing in air. It's kind of like, how do I explain it? I have this image of my chest is like a big window that just opens up. And I don't just take stuff in through my into my lungs. I take the whole energy of what's coming at me. I just like throw up the sash of this window and I let it all come straight into me. It's like heart running, you know. And when I breathe it in at the same time, it just somehow, you know, kind of magnifies that or enhances it, you know, makes it feel more like my breath is very connected to what's coming at me. Does that make sense? It does. It's a beautiful image. I love that image of the chest being like an open window. That's gorgeous. The other thing that I do with this when I'm working on a spiritual practice in terms of running is that it's real important, and I think a lot of people lose the sense of being in a three-dimensional world. (laughs) You know, we just take on a real flat perspective a lot of times. And that's why I love trail running especially, because when I'm running on trails, I go up and down and through a forest and I can look side to side and I can look way back in the forest and some trees are moving in front of me and then there's trees further back that aren't moving past as fast and there's you know there's scenery way in the background there's mountains in the far distance I'm trying to feel the whole depth of the surroundings that I'm moving through and it holds much more for me than just what's right in front of me or within 10 feet you know, and, mm-hmm. um, it, it just kind of like, oh, it adds so much seasoning to life, you know, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Hmm. Now, I was talking to a friend recently, and we were talking about his sitting meditation practice, and mm-hmm. he's also training for a bike race. And he was saying, you know, I want my the time that I'm on the bicycle to be my meditation time, because the truth is I don't really have time to do both right now. 
in my I life. I'm so busy. So I want the time on the bicycle to be like my sitting meditation practice to combine them. But when I'm on my bike, there's some kind of driven quality because I'm training for this race. And so I don't think it really counts as meditation. So I'm curious what you think about this driven quality and how can we approach mm. something like, yeah. you know, you ran a half marathon this morning without that drivenness? Yeah. Well, the the funny thing is, is that, you know, the mind is what drives. Okay. It's not your body. It's your mind that drives your body. And if your mind is driven, then obviously your bike ride is going to be driven. And what I do to pull out of that driven state, because I just plain don't ever run that way. I don't train that way. I don't race that way. What I do is I try to be as sensitive as possible to what's happening in my body in the moment and how can I adjust that. Okay. So the closer you can be to being in the present, like your friend on the bike, if he's riding his bike and he's coming, for instance, to a hill, he has to change what he's doing. He doesn't just try to power up the hill or stand on the pedals or whatever he does. He needs to be cognizant of how can he best approach that and just totally stay with where he's at right then, at any given moment where he's at. And if he's driven, he's thinking about, well, I did this course yesterday in two hours and ten minutes, and today I'm going to really try to do it in 205. That's result-oriented. That's the mind looking for results. Instead, you have to kind of retrain the mind to just be where you're at and make the absolute best, most economical decisions about how you move your body in any given instant, in any given situation. So, for instance, if somebody was um, a master, grandmaster in Tai Chi, and he was in a match with an opponent, Tai Chi, there's, it's impossible to be driven <laughs> in Tai Chi because you have to constantly be responding to your opponent all the time. You have to be sensitive to what's this power that's coming towards me? How can I cooperate with that instead of fight against it? Because if you cooperate with it, then you get the energy to move in your direction, and that creates power. Okay, So a bicycle rider might consider, how do I cooperate with my circumstances? If it's a hill, how do I cooperate with that hill in a way that I just make that hill disappear? How do I cooperate with the bike? How do I change gears, lean my body, stand, sit, whatever? But it's a constant in-the-moment kind of response to an external. Mm -hmm. And that's true meditation. It's like really being absolutely where you're at and making the adjustment then. Not thinking ahead, like, oh, well, I'd better really rest on this hill because I've got a big hill coming up or I've got to fuel up or I want to finish this one fast. Or that's the, the, If you do everything right in the moment, you end up being just as fast, if not faster, than if you had been driven. <laughs> Because if you're driven, you're so focused maybe on one aspect that you might forget another aspect in it, and you might be holding tension somewhere else in your body that then you have to pedal harder to overcome the tension that someplace else is creating inertia with, you know. Mm. And so I would always go back to just focus on what's important right now, this pedal stroke, you know. Now I'm curious what your response would be to this. Somebody says, my walking or my running or my bike riding, that's my meditation. I don't have another period in my day. I don't 
have a sitting practice or a Tai Chi practice. It's just this exercise form is my spiritual practice. Do you believe that that could be, if done in the way that you're describing, a sufficient... Oh, yeah. Could, I've been doing it for years. Could contain everything. Contain everything. Absolutely everything. You know, the interesting thing that I thought about years ago, this just occurred to me one day. I was just, I know, musing somehow. Back in the 60s, I, you know, I started TM back then, like with everybody else. And I realized that back in the late 60s and early 70s, all of these gurus came over from India. And they they came over here teaching meditation to us Westerners, okay? And so these guys come from a, a background of stillness, of connection with the earth, of not running around like crazy. And they were trying to teach stillness to Western culture, okay? Inner stillness, which is great. It was a good plan. The problem with it is, is that we are by nature a mobile society, a mobile culture. And so if we can figure out a, a way to teach people stillness in the midst of activity, why not? You know, and it's totally possible to do. You can be still in the midst of activity. And then that your activity can become a meditation. But to try to teach Westerners to just sit still. I mean, for some people it works really well. You know, if somebody's ADD, it's really a great thing for them to just be sitting still focusing on a candle. But if... Um, if somebody wants to have their movement be a meditation, the whole idea is to obviously quiet your mind. That's what meditation is mostly about. And so how can you quiet your mind while you're moving? Well, that takes focus. Okay, what do you focus on? You focus on some aspect of your body, a part of your body, a moving part of your body, and repeatedly just use that as your mantra and go back to that. Go back and watch it and watch it and keep watching it. And every time you settle into just, just sensing, you don't even need to do anything about it. Sometimes you can just watch it. I Sometimes I would, I did a walk once where all I did was I focused on, um, I wanted to do, I challenged myself to take a 45-minute walk. I was at a hotel, I was teaching somewhere in, in Southern California, and I wanted to walk from my hotel to the beach and back, and I figured it would take 45 minutes. And my goal was to just observe each foot hitting the ground from there and back without missing a footprint, without missing one step, you know. And when I got back, I, I was, like, transformed. I, I couldn't believe how how quiet my mind was, how focused I felt, how you know, in my body I felt, and all I had done was just watch each foot hit the ground. And any movement activity, especially walking and running or biking, which all have repetitive motion, you know, always cycles, you know. I think it's even more ideal than trying to do something like, you know, I don't think you could just play football as a meditation. I mean, it would have to be something that's very sustained and cyclical, you know, but definitely can happen. And then in terms of qi walking, mm-hmm. are, is there anything different about the qi walking approach from the qi running approach? I mean, I'm sure it's the same basic principles, but what's unique to the walking modality? Well, what's unique to the walking is that they are all the same basic principles. You work with your alignment, you work with your body movement and how to relax certain parts so that you move correctly. And it's I like the walking myself because it slows down all of that 
body sensing. If you're trying to watch parts of your body, the whole realm of movement happens at a much slower rate when you're walking. It's interesting that if you've ever seen somebody doing Tai Chi, it looks like they're doing something in slow motion, right? The reason why it looks like such a nice slow motion dance is so that when you're learning the form, you're really sensing your body so that when you shift your weight, you can actually feel yourself shift onto from one leg to another and what percentage is on one leg and whether you're feeling your center as your arm moves, whether you're dropping your shoulder when your hand comes up. It's like slowing down the movements like taken in slow-mo so that you can really feel as many of the different things moving in unison as possible. If you speed it up too fast, you lose that sense. You, you you know, you'll probably default into how you generally would move anyway. But if you want to pay attention to how you move, it's great to slow it down. So Tai Chi people learn Tai Chi at a slow pace, but believe me, once they speed it up, it's it's a full-on martial art. But to practice it slowly is a great way to get it better into your system. I always suggest that runners start off doing Chi walking because all the focuses are there and it's on a more kind of a more sensitive level, slower paced. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Danny, now being the chi walking, chi running person, how this has all turned for you into what you call chi living, a whole approach to life. Oh, it's fascinating because, you know, the more I've been using all these kind of, I, I might as well just call them Taoist principles because that's what the whole foundation of Tai Chi is all about. It's all about various rules, just like universal laws that apply to certain things. Well, when you're really practicing something like Tai Chi or even Chi running, if you really watch it on a deeper level, you can learn about these universal principles. And there's, there's like, I'll, I'll go for a couple. It's like, one, the, the thing about alignment and relaxation, okay, this needle in cotton, Okay, so if you take that image and move it into your life, a life situation, let's say, for instance, you're an employer and you have, you're working with employees, okay, you need to have the sense of uh, clarity and conviction with your business so that you can help direct your employee in a way that would make them really enjoy their job and be more efficient with their job and everything. You need to be the needle. But how you approach them needs to be like cotton so they can feel this substantiveness inside of you but this ease and movement and they go oh okay well i could do that you know how you come across is much more clear when you're not coming across hard-edged or you know, micromanager or anything like that there's uh, gradual progress is one of the universal laws that you know tai chi follows and that means that any Thing, any process needs to move through, it needs to grow gradually. And that applies to relationships, to business development, to, you know, raising a kid. Everything starts off in, in a very basic, simple mode wherever it starts. And in order to increase it in a nice, healthy way, in a forward-moving way, you need to take small steps to gradually increase. If you jump too fast... Uh, you're going to miss some, you know. And so all these principles that apply like to running, you don't take off running really in a race. You don't take off at your fastest speed up front. 
You take off slowly. You build your head of steam. You relax a little more as you get further into your run so that you're finished. You're, you're really nice and stretched out. Your energy's moving. You're taking in the environment. You're enjoying what you're doing. You're relaxed so that you finish like really fast and really strong. But only because you've taken a nice gradual progression through your event. So you apply that straight over to anything, you know. There's just lots of, you know, moving from your center, you know. That's a it's a really good principle to follow, you know. So I, I do it from my running so that physically I can be a really economical runner. I do it from my work. If I'm writing an article, I need to really center myself. What am I writing about? Once I ground myself there, then the words just come out naturally, you know. Mm. That's alignment and relaxation. I'm aligning myself with what I'm about to write about, and then I just let go, and I'm able to just let the words come through. So there's this chi living is it's kind of like using running or walking as a uh, port key to to borrow a Harry Potter phrase. You know, it's a window into another world. It's a, any practice really helps you to any practice that's worth anything is really should be transferable to all other levels, you know. So if it's a physical practice, it should go to an emotional practice and then a spiritual practice and, and you know, a lifestyle practice. So you're always using one mode to learn about how to apply it in another mode. <laughs> that's the best way I could say it. I love this idea of living from our center. And since you gave the example of the employer and the employees, I'm particularly inspired. And I'm curious if right now, as a gift, if you could lead us through something that myself, along with our listeners, we could do a little centering exercise right now, something that would help us contact this sense of a somatic center, a physical center in our being. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Okay, so you're sitting in a chair right now, I'm assuming. Correct. Okay. A lot of people who will be listening to this will be sitting in a chair. So what I want you to do is sit up in your chair to where you're not, you're almost to the back of the chair. You're not quite all the way leaning against the back. You're just sitting straight up in your chair, but not at the edge of your chair. You're kind of, you know, three-fourths of the way back in your chair. And so what I want you to do is, Sit in a way, you know, like they do and they tell you in yoga where they say, you know, take a string from the crown of your head, not the top of your head, the crown of your head, which is just to the rear of the top of your head, and feel like a piece of string is just pulling you up, and so it's kind of lengthening your spine in an upward direction, okay? So I want you to feel your feet on the ground and your sits bones on the chair, and then your spine lengthening upward, like your 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 spine goes up to heaven, your pelvis goes down into earth. So I want you to feel these two things going in opposite directions. Okay. And I want you just to try to sit in a way, kind of rock forward and back and to where you can feel that your shoulders are right over your hips. Okay, so you're just, just about straight up and sitting straight up. You shouldn't be against the back of the chair, you should be straight up, okay? So when you're sitting in this position, you're pretty well balanced. And you're not necessarily feeling your center. You're just feeling your alignment. Okay. So now, take a kind of a physical snapshot of what that feels like to be nice sitting up straight and right in your chair. Okay, now what I want you to do is just relax your body and kind of fall back against the back of your chair. 
Keep your feet on the ground. Just relax your legs, but just kind of rest against the back of your chair. And I want you just to put your hands on the top of your legs, you know, rest your palms on your quads. And what I'm going to have you do is just bring yourself slowly back into your original position, but you can't use your leg muscles and you can't use your upper body muscles. I want you just to move yourself very slowly. In fact, it's the slower you can do it, the more you can feel this. And what I'm talking about is your center. And so I want you to move from this leaning back position in your chair and pull yourself slowly back up into your original upright position. And I want you to feel in your body which is what part is working. Where do you feel any tension, muscular tension? What's working and where is it? The slower you do it, the more clear it'll be. So you should be able to feel the center. Your lower abdominal muscles are what really are lifting you into the upright position. Could you feel anything? Yeah, I could feel that. Okay. So do it again. Lean back in your chair just to make sure you can feel it and really locate it. And then slowly try not to use any leg muscles. Don't try to bend your upper body forward. Just try to bring yourself back up into that nice upright feeling and sense in your body where you feel the energy working. And if you really feel it, it's somewhere just below your navel, your lower abdominals. So then what you can do is uh, once you feel that, and I call this the sitting up in your chair exercise, for lack of a better word. <laughs> but what you can do is stand up. And so what I have people do is do this exercise first in a chair, and then I have them stand up. And how most people stand is that they slouch a little bit. And when people stand and just relaxed, their hips are usually a little forward of their shoulders. So their shoulders are back and their hips are forward if you just completely relax your body. And so what I have people do is to think back to that image of sitting up in your chair. And what I want you to do is sit up in your chair, pretend you're sitting up in your chair again to where you're bringing your shoulders directly over your hips instead of having them just normally naturally be behind your hips. So you're bringing your shoulders to where you're straight upright over your hips. And if you really sit up far enough in your chair, you should be able to look down and see your shoelaces. There's establishing a really nice vertical stance. But in order to hold yourself in that stance, you should be feeling those same that same center holding yourself in that position. So you want to practice it whenever you're just standing around in line at the grocery store or the bank or anything like that. Practice sitting up in your chair. Feel that center working to hold that alignment nice and straight. And you can walk around that way. And in fact, when people start walking from this sense, it totally changes how they walk. <laughs> it's amazing. If you can always walk with your shoulders over your hips, it will completely change how you walk and run. Wonderful. Thank you, Danny. You know, I just have one final question, which is in the two programs that you created with Sounds True, one on chi running and one on chi walking, 
There's actually a guided part where I take the audio with me while I'm out on a walk or a run. How did you create that? I mean, people could be, you know, walking on the East Coast or the West Coast or running up. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did you figure out how to compose that kind of instruction in a general enough way? Well, um, I set up basic parameters first. And so what I tell people is when you're learning this stuff, be sure you're on a flat surface. And if you're on a flat surface, try to be in an unobstructed path. <laughs> you know, go to a high school track or go to a, a bike path that you know is not very busy. But set yourself up so that um, there's no interruptions from externals. And then, you know, you download this, this walking program or the running program onto your MP3 player. And then I'm just totally, doesn't matter if they're an elite athlete runner or if there's somebody who's never had running shoes on before or somebody who's just starting a walking program, a body is a body. I'm body blind. Some people are color color blind, race blind, you know. I am body blind. Everybody is just a body to me. And so I give everybody the same set of instructions because the same instructions work whether you have a body, you know. If any if you have a body, this works. Because we all have arms and legs and, you know, the same muscles and all that. So I just speak, you know, when I set this up, I just spoke straight to the body. And no matter who it is, they got a body. You know, my favorite phrase lately in terms, and this all goes back to body sensing, is feel what it feels like. We as a culture don't spend enough time in our bodies. If we did, there wouldn't be an obesity rate, there wouldn't be heart disease, there wouldn't be, you know, all the things that go on. If people could listen to their bodies more carefully. They'd know when to stop eating. They'd know when to, that smoking was lousy. They'd know, you know, what alcohol does to you. They'd feel what they're doing to their body. When you sit at a desk too long, when you, you know, hold anger, tension, it's feeling your body. If you can't feel your body, you just have no choices. You can't do something about it. You can't change it. You know, in our Chi Living book, the tagline is going to be, it's not written yet, but the tagline is going to be, Creating the conditions for energy to flow. And that, if I were to write one thing on my tombstone, <laughs> is that I was always working to create the conditions for energy to flow. And you can apply that you know, across the board from physical movement to anger therapy to cancer therapy to hospice to whatever. If you can figure out how to get energy to move in a situation, you're better off than if you don't. Wonderful. Creating the conditions for energy to flow. That's a, a, a great phrase. Yeah. Always. It's a ruling idea of mine. Danny Dreyer is the creator of two audio programs with Sounds True, one on chi running and another one on chi walking, both including these instructional components that you can actually take out with you on your walk and your run, which I think is just a wonderful innovation. Thank you so much, Danny, for being with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Tammy. Great conversation. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey.